Good morning again, and if you'll turn in your Bibles with me to Deuteronomy chapter 5, I'm going to read verses 6 and 16, and I'm also going to read from Ephesians 6, 1 to 4. We are working through the Ten Commandments, and and you'll notice that as the Ten Commandments go on, the first four commandments tend to have more of an emphasis on our obligation to love God. And then the second six commandments, the second tablet, lays out our obligations to love our neighbor. Right? It's, you don't want to push it too much. I mean, it's all connected. Here's what a life with God looks like. But you're going to notice the, the emphasis as we go forward here is much more how do we relate and live well together in community. Um, and so let's read our passage this morning and talk about family. This is God's word from Deuteronomy 5. Verse 6, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. Honor your father and your mother as the Lord your God commanded you, that your days may be long and that it may go well with you in the land that your Lord your God is giving you. And then Ephesians 6. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise, that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. This is God's word. He has spoken to us today in love. Let's, Let's pray. Father, as we meditate on this commandment about family, we, we know that families can be a, a great source of joy and rest, but they can also uh, bring up painful memories. And so I ask as we meditate on this that you would show us how to honor you in the ways we honor our parents and the ways we honor the authorities that you have put over us, uh, that, that your Holy Spirit would form us into people who see Jesus and who who see power as an opportunity to serve rather than be served. And that can only be done as we fall more in love with Jesus and desire to honor him. And we pray you do that in our lives in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, the first time reading the the fifth commandment, it sounds like God is laying out uh, that he is pro-family values, right? That, that God is for strong families and, you know, the, the language goes, as families are strong, it affects the, the, the stability of a nation and a culture and a community. Uh, Deuteronomy 6 is going to go on to say, right, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and strength. And then it lays out, okay, when you're with your children, um, whether you're in the field or walking with them, when you wake up in the morning or go to bed, tell them about these things, about God's commandments, right? Pass on the baton of faith to your children. And so the, the family dynamic is the heart of this commandment, but it's also just a part of it, right? So just think about this. Out of all the commandments God has given here in the Ten Commandments, there's only one that lays out how you ought to relate to authority, uh, to people in power over us. 
And that's this one, honor your parents. Right? And, and so you can also add that this commandment is not just aimed at young children who should obey their parents in the Lord because this is right. Um, it's not just Moses giving a mini children's sermon. No, this is, this is addressed to God's people about to go into the promised land who are most, you know, also adults. Right? They're adult children living near or with their parents. And so one of the arguments uh, or the, that this commandment is bigger than just your parents is this. If you don't honor your parents, who are the very first God-given authority in your life, you're then going to struggle to honor any authority figures in God's world. Right? I mean, think about all those people that you've had over you in your life. Besides parents, teachers, employers, uh, church leaders, government. I mean, there's a, a hot topic. And then, right, of course, ultimately God, our, our Heavenly Father, who tells us what to do. Because it's with our parents that we first learn to listen to someone else, that we are not the center of the universe. Someone crosses our will and tells us no. Uh, we're taught to submit, to do things we didn't want to do, but we have to do them because we were told. You're also given a relationship where you get to ask for help. You learn dependence. You, you seek wisdom because there are these people who know more about this world than I do because they've been on the planet longer. Right? You, you, very, you learn those experiences about how to relate to authority first with your parents at home and how to deal with being told what to do. Some deal with this better than others. <laughs> right? So you can start to see how relevant and how, how the scope of the commandment broadens just from our family. Right? It's, it's just as much about our, our commitment to care for elderly parents as it is also about our relationship with government leaders we don't like, whether we like them or not. Right? It's, it's, commandment is as much about young children submitting to their parents in the Lord and it's also about how people in power ought to use that power in a God-honoring way. Right? You, could, you could also add the, the fifth commandment when you start to work out all the implications, and we're going to do that this morning. It's the antidote to all kinds of abuse and even sibling rivalry. Right? So it touches on all these different spheres of authority. And so let's, let's dive in and... Because honoring your parents is the tip of the iceberg. It's really about how do we relate together in the different relationships that God gives us. So point one, what are you and I commanded to do in the fifth commandment? Um, first, notice what it doesn't say. Right? The commandment does not say obey your parents. It's an implication of it, for sure, depending on your age. But it doesn't come out and say, thou shalt do whatever your parents tell you to do with no qualifications. Right? I mean, this, this commandment isn't um, justifying parents who are still trying to make decisions for their adult kids. <laughs> right? It doesn't bind adult children into this suffocating relationship with their parents. Right? Of course, when you're young. Right? That's why I read Ephesians 6. Um, obey your parents. It's the right thing to do. You're running into 
moral authority. Obey your parents in the Lord. But the goal of parenting, right, is to not have to tell your children every little thing about, about life. <laughs> to not have to dress them their entire lives. Right? The goal is to form our, our little ones into flourishing adults who've learned from their parents to love Jesus, to love their neighbor, able to choose the good, reject the wrong, and even be willing to ask for help from those above them when they don't know what to do. Right? Because when our kids leave the home, which is going to happen, the relationship changes. Now the commandment says, honor your parents which includes, at times, depending on the stage of life you're at, obeying, but it's not telling you to do exactly what they, whatever they tell you to do your whole life. Right? Nor does the commandment say you have to trust your parents or demand that you be their best friend or think they are the best humans around. It just says honor them. Right? This is a fallen world and not every parent is a good parent. And I, mean, I imagine if we, we, we were a church family, if you just started to ask people, what was your home life like? You're going to get a wide range of stories from my parents were wonderful, flawed human beings, but I know they loved me. To my parents were absent, sometimes mean, and not helpful. Right? The reality is some parents are just not good at parenting. Winston Churchill tells some stories about his parents, right? This great man who led Britain through World War II. His parents were awful. <laughs> they sent him off to boarding school. You can read letters between him and his mom where he's basically pleading for their affirmation and they write back that you're a disappointment and a failure. Right? Some parents are great at loving their children. Others are great at provoking their kids to anger. Right? And so you start to see when you're commanded to honor your parents, what I love about this, it's saying you should honor your parents whether you have a good relationship with them or not. But because it doesn't nail down, say, hey, you must obey your parents, it, it helps you deal with the reality that some authority structures will not be good. Um, right? We're called to honor those over us. And so honoring your parents gives room for us to relate to those authority structures knowing that they have imperfections, flaws, and even gives you room to not submit to sinful behavior. And so I, I start there because that's, that is one of the big battles that our culture is wrestling with, what, what young adults are wrestling with in counseling is how do I deal with the imperfections, the very clear glaring imperfections I see in the authority structures in my life. And, and the fifth commandment doesn't let you escape that word, honor. So what does that mean? Well, the word for honor is kabed, um, which it comes with this idea, it's, it's related to glory. It's this idea of significance or weight. Um, it's saying, look at your parents and recognize the amount of significance and glory and influence and impact they have on you 
and see that there is a gravity to the relationship that you cannot escape. <laughs> and so, in general, we're being called, right? Take your parents seriously as a people who are in your life that God gave you. Um, what that looks like and how it works out, it's interesting, the commandment it doesn't say, it just says you have to honor them. I mean, you can say in general, yeah, when a parent gives counsel or advice, right, thinking from as, as a young adult, in general, parents who lo- know and love you, they know your strengths, they know your weaknesses, it's good to listen to your parents because they have both more life experience and they know you, and you can listen. Doesn't mean you're going to act on it necessarily, but you can honor their presence by asking, hey, what do you think? Right? That's one way you could work this out. Um, your parents are different than your teachers. They're different than your government officials. Right? There's familiarity. But there's all kinds of ways to honor your parents, to recognize the weight of that relationship. Right, Kids, the, the obvious thing it's if you're going to take your parents seriously you get, when they talk to you, <laughs> uh, assuming, right, this is in this loving, healthy relationship, your parents, when they tell you to do something in the Lord, they're called, one of the ways to honor your parents is to obey, to listen, to respond. Right? Or maybe as you get older, as you get older, you, you, you're a teenager and you hear all these things and maybe they make you roll your eyes and say, yeah, whatever, mom, dad. <laughs> Nobody's ever done that here in this room, I'm sure. Right? But as you get older and you hit your 20s and, or you have kids of your own, you start to realize, oh man, I sound just like my parents. <laughs> Tell them. Right? Recognize that impact and give them the honor of saying, hey, you, you taught me this thing and you were right. Um, or maybe it's you're, you're hitting a, your stride and you recognize I have this gift that my parents gave me, a skill, a talent, or something they cultivated. Right? Say thank you. <laughs> right? All these are just different ways to say, do you take your parents seriously and give thanks to God for the parents you have and the, ways that, the things that they've done well in your life. Right? And so this is probably a good place to read uh, the Catechism 127, and in your bulletin, I, I gave you questions 127 through 132 to, to meditate on. And if you, like I said, if you Google these, you will find scripture references for each phrase, so it's not something they came to lightly. Uh, 127 was in our confession. Okay, I did 128. What kind of honor is owed the people over us, to those over us, right? It says, those over us deserve respect in our hearts, in our words, in our actions. We must pray and give thanks for them. We should emulate their virtues and gifts. We should willingly heed and obey their lawful commands and advice. We should submit to their correction, be faithful to them, and defend and support their persons as an authority as, appro- as it is appropriate their rank and position. And then it says, we must also tolerate their imperfections and infirmities, cover them with our love so that we can be an honor to them and their authority. So just, there's so many different rabbit trails we could go on, but just 
Think about that last phrase about tolerating the imperfections and infirmities of our parents and cover them with our love. Right? Part of honoring your parents is going to include forgiving your parents for their sins, for their weaknesses, for when they flew off the handle and had to apologize for it. I mean, a large part of why a lot of young adults today are in counseling or just adults in general is because they're trying to process what happened when they were kids and how they were parented. And the fifth commandment and its scope is saying, recognize your parents too are human. You're not the only sinner in the family. Mom and dad are too. Right? And it's something that's strange as you get older as you relate to authority figures, it's really disorienting when those who ought to love us and ought to nurture us and ought to discipline us when they disappoint us and fall short of what God has called them to do. Because right? on the one hand, especially if you're a people pleaser type like I am, on the one hand, you're going you to say, these are my parents, I'm supposed to honor them and think of them as great. <laughs> but on the flip side, I'm wounded. And what the gospel or what, what the fifth commandment is commanding us is to, if you're going to tolerate the infirmities and weaknesses, we're called to forgive our parents. It's one way to honor them. Forgive the ways they've hurt you in the past. At minimum, it's going to set you free from that unhealthy control the parents have exerted on you in the past. Right? I mean, just, just imagine what it would be like to not be controlled by what your parents think of you. Or to not be emotionally driven by what you think of your parents. Right? One of the ways to honor your parents is to honor through forgiveness, to cover them with your love. It'll go well for you in the land. <laughs> as, as the commandment says, it'll go well for you in, in community. Um, because especially for the us, right, those who've been wound, wounded, you're not chained to your parents' approval or their failures if you forgive. Right? We, we have these conversations. It's interesting. Right? To, to honor your parents, we, as we talk about it, this, we're on the other side of the Industrial Revolution. And I, I know from talking to you guys here, like, some of us have all of our grown kids in one place. But the reality is, as you raise your kids, it's, there are also those who have kids on either ends of the country, or others who would have kids on other sides of the world, right? In Israel, the way the, they were to honor, honor their parents had a much bigger impact, not bigger, but a, a more present impact because parents and kids and extended families spent their entire lives in one place, right? In other words, if your parents drove you crazy, I suppose you could just leave the country, but it was a lot more complicated. In general, as a faithful Israelite, you are bound by God, by relationship, to live in the land together. Right? The elders in the community who were going to administer justice and solve disputes, right? they would have been the patriarchs, the fathers in the community. So that would affect your life together. Um, 
If you're a family in Israel, you all have this land inheritance. So not only are you living together, living near each other, you're also receiving this gift, which is now let's work together on this land. This is the source of your wealth, your economic future. And so if you don't have a family with honor, if a family implodes and there's a lack of forgiveness, it's going to be really awkward to go out into the field and and farm that land together because your future is bound up together. It's part of, I think, the logic of honoring your parents that it'll go well for you in the land. But also for Israel, uh, this had massive spiritual implications because Israel is in a covenant relationship with God where they're being told, if you obey, it will go well for you in the land. And if you disobey God as your father, you're going to get kicked out of the land. Right? And so, if families ignored the fifth commandment, if families fell apart, rebellious kids wouldn't just shame their parents. Uh, their rebellion would also threaten the covenant with Israel, with God. Right? It would affect the peace and purity of the community, so to speak. Right? Because if a rebellious kid turns to their parents and say, not only do I not want to listen to you, but I'm going to reject your God, and I'm going to go do what I want. You know, I'm just going to go hang out with these Baal-worshipping friends. They're much cooler than you. And I like their morality better. It's a lot more fun. They, they're all for spiritual prostitution. God is not, right? I want to sow my wild oats, so to speak. Right? All of that, the idolatry, rejecting God's word, it's going to have an impact on the community. So Deuteronomy 32 kind of lays this out as a song that Moses says you should teach teach and learn and memorize. And it starts with this beautiful picture of God, the the rock. His work is perfect. All his ways are justice. A God of faithfulness and without iniquity, just and upright is he. Here is the perfect authority figure, the perfect parent. How has Israel responded? Well, they've dealt corruptly with them. They're no longer his children because they're blemished. They're a crooked and twisted generation. Is this how you repay the Lord, you foolish and senseless people? And here's the the key question. Is he not your father, the one who created you, the one who made you, the one who established you? And then as you go through the, the chapter to reject God as father, Turns out it risks God's burning anger. A God who's going to say, I'm going to make you not my people. A God who's going to turn his face away and bring in all kinds of not good things like plague, famine, and death. Exile. Right. See, to honor one's parents, right, it's, it's, it's for the good of the family, but it's also for the good of Israel who is in a covenant relationship with, with God. Right? To, to reject this commandment, it'll go well for you in the land, but to reject it was also to put yourself under the very real judgment of God as a community, not just on your own. Right? And that's, that's why this commandment comes with a promise. You have to honor your parents, and it will go well for you in the land if you keep this per- commandment. Right? This is very specific to Israel, the it will go well for you in the land. Now, Here's what we're saying, right? 
you're not allowed to escape the obligation to honor. Let's broaden the scope of the command. And that's what I, I find helpful with like the catechism is because they've, they've worked through all these implications of, of what, how to relate to authority. Because right, in general, the fifth commandment is outlining our obligations to others depending on our particular relationship with them. Whether we're over them, under them, or equal. Right, so think about your relationships. Right, you've got peers, you have coworkers, right? you have siblings. They'd be equals. If, but you also have bosses. Right, you have those whom to whom you have to re, uh, respond to when they tell you to do something. There are, or maybe you are the boss and you have those underneath you. How do you relate to those? I mean, in a family, you're going to have parents and kids, that dynamic. You have siblings that are on the same page, right? And so the catechism goes on to say, right, not only should we <laughs> honor them, right? They deserve respect in our hearts, words, and actions. So just think about that. Whatever authority structures are in your life, you owe them honor in your heart, in your word, and the things you do. Right? Peter's really explicit in this, First Peter, where he says, be subject for the Lord's sake, for Jesus' sake, to every human institution, whether it be to the emperor as supreme or to the governors sent by him to punish the evil and praise those who do the good. Live as people who are free, not using your freedom for evil, but living as servants of God. And then Peter goes on to say, honor everyone. Love your brothers and sisters, the brotherhood in Christ. Fear God. Honor the emperor. <laughs> right? So the scope of this commandment is asking you, how do you respond to a government that is not for you and you don't like? Think about the emperor in, in, in ancient in Peter's day, it's really close to when Nero became emperor. And Nero is famous for using Christians as candles in his garden because he blamed them for something they didn't do. Honor the emperor. Right. Be subject to every human institution. Be known in your community for the ways, this is what Peter's saying, be known in the communities for the way you honor everyone. So government, right? When you're in school, you're going to have teachers you don't like or that they don't like you. You're going to have an overbearing boss, someone you just, you're like oil and water, you just don't get along with. Right? Do you honor them? Maybe, maybe it gets more clear, right? What's forbidden in the fifth commandment? I picked two out of the list. The, right? When we're not in power... What are we tempted to do? Uh, envy. Right, the, let's see if I can find this here on, the, on my list here. Yeah, the sins of those under authority over them are right, any failure to perform what is required by, by them and being envious of or holding in contempt or rebelling against that person and their lawful advice. 
Think about this. How do you relate to authority? Light my life would be so much better if I were in charge. <laughs> right? So many conflicts come because we look at those over us and say, I want their job, I want their power, I want their authority, and I'm going to do it better. Right? If, it, if I don't think like that, because maybe we don't have that kind of ambition, we go, well, maybe if our tribe were in power, the people that think like me, our political, political team, if those people were in charge, life would be better. Right? In other words, envy starts to creep in to the way we, we look at those over us and we want what they have, which is authority. Right? And envy begins, uh, well, it's a terrible thing. It's one of the, the chief sources of evil in the world. Right? It can lead you to destroy someone. It can lead you to feel completely justified in insulting, cursing, mocking them. Uh, it can lead you to act shamefully. It can lead you to injure or harm close family members because you're envious. Right? That's, that's the second main story in the Bible, Cain killing Abel. Envy was the reason Jesus was killed, according to Mark. Where the high priests and all these religious authorities did not like the attention Jesus got and they were envious and so they put him to death. Right. The other thing this commandment forbids is cursing or making fun. That, that sums up our whole culture and the way we relate to authority. Turn on any late night TV show and their whole shtick is just making fun of the failures of those above them. Right? monologues just mocking the weakness of our leaders and I'm pointing that out as one who has laughed at said monologues right I mean for a long time my generation got their news from Jon Stewart and Stephen Colbert and it's 30 minutes of hilarious commandment breaking <laughs> right or when we moved to our new neighborhood you could find bright very large signs letting you know what people think of their they're government officials in ways that would get me fired right now. <laughs> right? They're, they weren't warm and fuzzy. Right? We're called to respect, to honor those above us, even if we disagree with them. It doesn't say don't disagree. It says honor them. Right? Proverbs 30 puts this in a really dark way. Right? This is wisdom. It says, The eye that mocks a father and scorns to obey a mother, will be picked out by the ravens of the valley and eaten by the vultures. You go, whew, that's extreme. <laughs> but you start to work on the logic. This is what Proverbs do. They want you to just sit, sit on it and chew on it like a hard candy. Right? If, when mocking and cursing replaces honor, families fall apart, the culture is going to fall apart, you're going to reject in Israel's case, right, you're rejecting the wisdom of God. And when that happens, you become more vulnerable. And in Israel's case, that meant God's anger, his justice, invasion by stronger nations, the covenant curse is death. And in the Old Testament, the way that was symbolized uh, was being eaten by the birds, your body being left in the field after a battle, for, after a battle to, to be picked apart. And so... 
You go, oh, that's dark, but think about this. If mocking and cursing erodes honor and, and replaces forgiveness and replaces reconciliation, everything's going to fall apart. You can keep going here. The fifth commandment, if you take it seriously, is also designed to protect against abuse of power. I mean, that's question 130 here. It says, in addition to failing to do what you're supposed to do, right? Anybody in, in power, if they're using their power for their own glory, their own profit, their own pleasure, they're not using it properly. All right. And that begins with parents. Right? If you parent from convenience, parents are going to, you're going to be really irritated all the time. All right. It also goes after... How do you relate to equals, right? How do you get along with your siblings, uh, your annoying neighbor down the road, your coworkers? And the, it lays out, right? Equals are required to pay attention to the dignity and worth of each other by honoring each other above themselves and rejoicing in each other's gifts and successes as if they were their own. See, I mean, it speaks on its own. I'll just let it sit there. The fifth commandment, as you start to work out all its implications, and it turns out to be the glue that holds a whole community together. If you lose honor, you lose community. If you lose honor, you lose the whole motivation to even love, to serve, to sacrifice. I mean, C.S. Lewis in The Weight of Glory, I, mean, I quote this probably at least once a year, maybe he says, you've never talked to a mere mortal. If everyone's made in the image of God, the people to whom you joke with, work with, marry, snub, and exploit, right, they're either going to be immortal horrors or everlasting splendors in eternity. Right? There are no ordinary people. We're called to honor the image of God in everyone. Now, much shorter as we bring this to a close, how does, how does Jesus transform that? One of the things I'm assuming whenever I preach through the commandments, this is probably helpful, is that there's always three things happening at the same time. One, as you hear God speak and say, this is what I expect of you, it's just curbing the selfish impulses of your heart. Mine too. Um, two, it's showing us how far short of God's standard of holiness and perfection, we've all fallen. That I too am a sinner. I too need a savior. And three, as those who now live in Christ without any condemnation that we deserve because it was taken by us in Christ, the commandment now becomes, this is the lifestyle I want to live because this is what Jesus did for me. It becomes a guide for the Christian life. And all these are happening at the same time and it's really hard to pull them out. <laughs> Right? But you can see that if everyone honored their parents in every human institution, we would all get along. The lion would lie down with the lamb, swords would be beaten into plowshares, fighters would become farmers. Right? Sin would be restrained. Right? Every human being would actually consider others more significant than themselves and imagine using that honor as a weapon rather than shame. Right. 
But the reality is every human being is like Adam. We don't honor the authorities that we ought to. We'd rather be served than to serve. We'd much rather our equals, um, well, serve us. Think of me first, <laughs> right? And we have a really hard time trusting human institutions and authorities over us. And that's where Jesus steps in. What does Jesus do for us with the fifth commandment? As God's beloved son, he models for us how to relate to authority in the way he, and with parents, with government, with God his father. Right? He, Jesus came so that you would know God as a good father, that you would know God as your father who you can trust, who you want to honor, who you want to love, who you want to obey. Right? Because you, he came so that you would become a beloved son. And what's so astonishing about Jesus is the way he fills out the commandment. He submits to his parents. Right? We all have, you know, if you live in a big family, you have siblings that you think act like they're the center of the universe. Jesus actually was and is the center of the universe while being parented in Joseph and Mary's home. And he still submitted to their authority. Right. As an adult, Jesus then said in his ministry, the son of man, and the son of man is this ultimate cosmic figure who has authority in heaven and on earth over all things from Daniel 7. And he says, that is me. And I came not to be served, but to serve and to give my life as a ransom for many. So you're starting to see, right? One, what is your father in heaven like? He used his authority to send Jesus to love you and to die for you. What is the son like? Well, the son was willing to honor the authority structures in his life, even though he knew it would mean his crucifixion and his ultimate rejection by his father in our place. So the, what the gospel is starting to show you, here's what God is like, and here's the character of God, the ultimate authority that you're called to submit to. This is the God who first served us. Right? I mean, look at the cross. Jesus, in his death, became food for vultures. If you could put it that way, he's taking the covenant curse. He's honoring his father in the sense of, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Where are you? Even as he is suffering the mocking, the derision, the rejection, all that pain that comes with being part of a dysfunctional family, which is humanity. And he went through that so that you would know the love of God, his father. And so, how does this change us? Well, this is the only way I know to, be, to honor your parents is if you have God as Father and you have that infinite love filling your heart because one, it sets you free from your need for their, their approval and everything or the approval of any human institution. Right? Because on the one hand, you have the, the only eyes that matter, your Father in heaven are now pleased with you in Christ. And so I can turn to my parents and say, 
this is, a, this is good counsel. I'm not going to do that, but thank you. I know you have my best interests at heart. Right? Right? If God loves you that much, you have the freedom to say no to your parents. And that's a difficult thing for some cultures more than others. And if God forgives you that much, if he honors you while being mocked and cursed, right, what you're being empowered to is to forgive those in authority over you who have not used their power well. starting to work this out the ultimate effect of the gospel right that's what peter laid out for us if you really understand to the to the to the depths of what this commandment expects and how loved you are and how honored you are in christ you're going to go out into the world and be a person who says i'm willing to honor everyone near me whether you're above me my equal or under me just take everyone seriously and it starts with your parents. <laughs> right? And this is, this is what Paul says in Philippians 2. Why don't we turn there and that'll, that'll be, this will be the last thing we do. Philippians chapter 2. Right? Where the command is to honor. And listen to how if you're going to have, have the same mind of Christ, how it sends us out as those willing to honor everyone. Paul says, if there is any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord in one mind. And here's what he says. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not account equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of man, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient even to death, to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. <laughs> that is a big call that only the Spirit can help us do. But if there, <laughs> to have the mind of Christ is to live out the fifth commandment considering others more significant than ourselves. May God help us do that. Let's pray. Father, as we meditated on this, this word from you, I pray that you would show us the gospel yet again, that there is no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus because of what he's done, but also show us how to honor those in authority and especially those authorities that have that make our lives difficult. And so I pray for the strength, the willingness, the energy, the spiritual power to forgive as we've been forgiven, to honor when we've been reviled, to be quiet when we're insulted, to walk in the footsteps of our Savior who loved us even to death on a cross. And so we ask for your help as your children, Lord, and we thank you for your great love. In Jesus' name, amen.